This is The Culture. Hello, and welcome back to another edition of the Cinema Wave podcast. This time we are back. We're talking about Loki, Marvel's newest Disney Plus season two. I am one of your hosts. My name is Darian Scalamoni. I am joined, as always, by Michael Penniston. Hello, everybody. Happy to be back. How you doing, Darian? I'm good, man. I'm good. We're going to... So we, we missed last week. Yes. We are going to cover two episodes in this one episode of Cinema Wave, mm-hmm. where we're going to cover Loki Season 2, Episodes 2, and Episode 3. So we'll go in order. Let's start with Episode 2. We talked a little bit off-camera about this. I don't think we're our opinions are too different, but... I did not enjoy this episode. This might be the <laughs> only episode of Loki that I have not enjoyed thus far. Um, and I think a big part of it for me was that there was a really big problem with pacing. And there, we talked even in the first episode, There was there's so much confusion and chaos that happens within the writing and the structure of what Loki is. Mm-hmm. So not having a handle on the pacing and the tone and the editing of this series makes it feel a lot crazier when it's not sort of flowing, at least to me. How did, how did you feel about the episode? I definitely agree that the pacing was all over the place. I feel like it's Loki, you know, especially see after seeing the first season, Loki just tackles so much, especially in terms of setting up a lot for the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And so, you know, like we talked about in the last episode, the states going into the season were already super high and there were already a lot of things that to deal with. Um, and the pacing for this episode was all over the place with a lot of things that didn't really seem as important to the overall story. Yeah. You know, and so I agree that it was a lot of things to tackle. The pacing was all over the place and it definitely could have been done better. I was going to say, I don't think there was a lot like you just talked about. There's so much in this episode that doesn't feel essential. Yeah. <laughs> and that's where there's so much filler. But it's not – and I shouldn't even say it's filler. It's just it doesn't do a good job of making you care, which is crazy because Loki's a character that, again, was uh, – you shouldn't say he's sidelined, but he was a villainous character for so long. Mm-hmm. And now he's the standout, especially in like the Disney Plus of it all. Like a lot of the television series haven't worked. Loki's the only show to get a season two so far. And so the episode takes you. We're on the sacred timeline. We're back in 1977. And Loki goes to a movie premiere in London. And it's him. It's Mobius. It's B-15. And they're trying to track down the location of X-5, who is played by Raphael Castle. And we talked Again, a little bit off camera. You had thought that you saw him in season one. Mm-hmm. If he wasn't season one, it definitely wasn't like a role that people knew or were aware of him. He had a good or he had a, like a focus on him a little bit in season um, in episode one of this season where he's talking to some of the elders. But he sort of takes center stage on a lot of this episode. And I think part of it, too, was he wasn't believable in his role as like this, like movie star sort of like, Oh, like I'm this standout guy and you want to keep your attention on me. I didn't think that he did a good job in this version of the character in the sacred timeline. And I thought so much of the London sequence in general was all over the place and the comedy wasn't hitting. And it was like one of the only times where I felt even Loki and Mobius. It didn't feel like it didn't feel like the banter was real there. Yeah. yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. It was, first of all, Ed's five's character, Ed's five, right? That's, that's yes. his name. Yeah, first of all, his, his character was just 
was just completely thrown into the midst like with with a lot of like a lot of things to to his character too in this episode um but it, it just it, a lot of it for short in land um uh he also kind of like brought in that that area of like the the tva that was still trying to be like on like the upbringing where like you showed that he, he had a connection to sylvie in some way but once again like and we could talk a little bit more about that but once again like for his character to be the one to kind of like transition into that and bring that into this episode none of it felt right it wasn't authentic at all and and, oh. and so much of what we talked about last week was we wanted loki and sylvie to have this organic and it should feel earned it should felt it should have felt like really important and really deep to the audience when loki finally gets to sylvie yeah and there's so much emptiness in them meeting because of the through line of trying to get through to this guy to find out where she is i thought it was lazy writing Mm -hmm. and again there's so much in this episode where i felt they staggered where in past episodes whether it be season one or even the premiere they find a way to make you still be invested despite how insane the plot is and how crazy this environment is. I thought that this episode could have been something where you interweaved Loki trying to discover and find out where Sylvie is on his own. And it would have been that exploration aspect that I would have enjoyed more than them basically following the tale of X5, like for majority of the episode. Yeah, because, you know, the majority of the episode was really like rooted in that interrogation scene and um they even tried to play a lot of the comedy aspects into like that and it just again it just it, it didn't really land i agree that you know having that loki sylvie moment definitely needed to be a moment of of it needed to be more rewarding for loki i feel like and for for us that because we saw where it was left off and um and we had a little bit of like a glimpse of that re that that reunited moment for them in the first episode when mm-hmm. you kind of saw her and that um dream sort of sequenced um thing but uh again it just didn't feel authentic none of it felt real x5 was too much of a focus on this episode and again and like you said his his performance just really didn't even really just didn't yeah they, i think they put too much weight on him to kind of carry this again through line for something that should have felt it should have just hit better with the audience. I don't I don't think that bringing together Loki and Sylvie through a character that we barely know was a smart point to jump like a jumping off point for this season because they finally meet up when he gets the answers and he's like I don't want to take you there anyway. I don't want to see this this person. And Loki's like you have to take us. The interrogation scene too. I think it goes on too long. I think there's aspects of it like again like you could tell that it obvious it was obvious that he wasn't locking out Mobius like like it was a plot between the two of them mm-hmm. and uh the, just there was something too where when you get to that moment where they finally lock eyes and the music sort of comes in and like these really melodic tones and you're trying to shift focus on Loki and Sylvie and it doesn't like I didn't feel it as an audience member and I'm like this was something that at the end of the first season so much that they had gone through, I felt for him, especially to Loki, like getting kicked through that time door and being amidst all the craziness that came with where the TVA was. And Sylvie disappears. She's working at a fucking McDonald's <laughs> and they meet and it's not anything. It, you you don't feel any aspect of care. And I think that so much of it 
was just I don't know, man. It was it was poor. It 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 was it was something where I just it relates and it gives me this PTSD of like where Marvel is right now, where they're in this really weird period where they're trying to make things connect and they're trying to make things happen, but there was so much more thought I felt that went into other aspects of the MCU prior to uh endgame like everything was focused on that singular goal of getting us to the end of this story and this saga which we talked about last week but this episode like i said was just a little bit like a small version of where i think we're at with marvel where it's it's like they used to be dependable you used to be able to go and like even for example like iron man 2 is not a film that a lot of people hold in high regard in terms of their ranking for the mcu right but there's so much in that movie that is essential to character development of some of the characters that have like really good character moments. Like even Justin Hammer to me is a character that like I would love to be explored again in the MCU. Mm-hmm. But then you have characters like this, like X5, who and no offense to Raphael Castle, like <laughs> I'm sure he's great in other things. Like shout out to you, man. Get the paycheck. You're with Marvel. <laughs> but there was something about his portrayal of this character in this uh, 1970s London too that I just didn't buy and I didn't get into it. And he was trying to play this snarky sort of version of a character, but he was also whiny and th- there was, there was a lot of, a lot of room for improvement. Yeah. I felt the, the one thing I will give Marvel the benefit of the doubt with, with this episode and with X five, especially is that he did help showcase for a lot of the TVA uh, workers that that trueness in that they are variants and that they are able that they came from somewhere that it isn't their lives aren't just the tva which mm-hmm. a lot of them were brainwashed into thinking yeah and that they all have lives outside of this and or at least had a life you know at, at one point and so he's a good i guess example of showcasing that like okay like maybe we might get to see more like maybe we've seen that he was an actor outside if he actually was in the, the first season it was a tva member because i've only i only really saw a photo of him in like a uniform that doesn't mm-hmm. really mean he was in the first season for sure but maybe it does open the door to opportunity to really see a lot of these other lifestyles that a lot of these tva members would have been living and especially mobius because i know that that's been we talked about the last yeah that's like been an ongoing sort of theme about the, it looks like this season trying to figure out more about his character um, and I did actually see one thing online as well um, that happened at the end of the episode. It was uh, I, I don't remember if it was at the very last scene or if it was like an after credit scene, but there was a scene where Sylvie was at, outside of the McDonald's um, and she was talking to like a young boy. Um, and it, okay. it, it once again did not feel important at all. It just <clears throat> felt like they just threw something in there. Um, but I did see someone try and connect dots and that there's a chance that maybe that's Marius <clears throat> as a young boy. Whoa, interesting. Yeah, okay. that, that maybe that that's why Sylvie's there. And that that alone opens up my mind. So, oh, snap, like, what could she really be doing? Like, because I, I do think it's it's there's a deeper reason as to why she's there. Um, I don't think it's obviously just her running um, from a lot of things. Um, but I do also want to use this as kind of like a way to transition into another big thing that happened and get your thoughts on this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, they had that moment where you did find out that a few of these people were working for what essentially was the TVA members trying to kind of like upstart the TVA again and, mm-hmm. and kind of like bring it back in their own way. Um, and you saw that moment where 
they killed off all those branches, all those branch timelines. Yeah. And <clears throat> some can compare that to Thanos, you know, like a Thanos level snap because it has that. They, a lot of people died. Yeah. They kind of, as for a heavy moment like that, like all you really saw was a few of their reactions. They gloss over that shit so <laughs> terribly. Right. And this is what I'm talking about where we're talking about the writing, right? Where that's a moment that should feel as an audience member there's so much attention to detail in the first season of Loki about separate timelines, about different variants, about different versions of these characters. And I do appreciate that it is a little bit more internal this season, right? Like you were talking about, we're starting to learn some more about some of these characters. I like getting to see a little bit more of Casey. I like adding in um, OB in the, in the series and things like that. And Mobius, I, as a viewer do hope eventually, whether it's this season, it's a third season of Loki, it's a future MCU project. We get to see him like on the jet ski. We get to see him with his family, like these things that he's alluded to for so long. <clears throat> but that moment in particular that you're referring to was another thing where it's just like, how does this not have weight to it? Like, why is it that there are m- not even like there are millions of people dying <laughs> and and there's no reference to it? And it's because, yeah, is it not the sacred timeline? That's yeah. a deeper layer that there are going to be people that are going to be asking that question and if it doesn't – again, if the sacred timeline is the MCU, right, if that's what we're working within, then why did you spend so much time trying to sell us on it in the first season if it isn't as valuable to you now? Yeah. You know what I mean? So that was a situation where, to be honest with you, until you brought it up to me, like I forgot that it happened, which is kind of mind-blowing. <laughs> and I want – I mean, again, the, the episode – by the time this episode comes out, uh, we're we're like two days away from the the fourth episode coming out in a six episode limited series, but yeah, man, I don't know. It's just th- there was there was something about this episode in particular and that moment too where it just felt very glossy and it didn't feel like it had its role in terms of being entrenched in what was important in this story overall. And I don't know if we're ready to transition yet to episode three. But it's also basically forgotten about in episode three because episode three is very contained in its own universe and a different timeline. Well, we're still in the sacred timeline, but we're at a different point in time mm-hmm. centuries ahead and it's never brought up again. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's how, how did you feel about it? Did you feel similarly? Uh, yeah, I did feel very similar. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. It just I feel like <laughs> It was just it was just strange. It was just really weird. I feel like it was strange how X five segued that that whole thing and we never saw anything else to it. Um I don't know. The 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 whole episode was just <laughs> it just it it was not good to be honest. Um like they had there were small things in the episode I will say, um, that I did enjoy. Um like uh there was a small conversation bit between loki and mobius where they were enjoying the cake where they were trying to oh yeah the key lime pie yeah yeah Yeah, and like moments like that i guess are kind of nice where you can like a still moment like that with these marvel characters um but like it was it just wasn't good and to throw so many major things in there covered by things that weren't important like x5 and I don't know. It just it it, it really fell through. Yeah, I, I would say to go off your point, two things that I think are promising about the episode that chemistry is is still like I said, it might not have been throughout 
the whole episode like I liked with Loki and Mobius, but that moment in particular, you're right. It kind of shows the human side mm-hmm. of these characters and the relationship they're building. Natalie Holt, by the way, the composer of the series, I think has so much fun and definitely in the, in the next episode too that we're going to talk about. But it's so cool jumping from different time periods where she can kind of play around with music and enhance the score in that way. Yeah. So I thought that was a standout to me in terms of the second episode and just the series in general. Yeah, but, that is really cool. That's actually something I didn't even like notice that like the, the it is matching where the, where they add in the times that they're in. So that is really cool. Yeah, and I think a good transitional point to the third episode, which again, if you guys didn't surmise from that, we did not like the second episode. <laughs> no. But episode three, you see Natalie Holt with that old timey the ding 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 like the old school kind of polka tones with the marvel theme which i thought was really creative and really awesome um and this was an episode that i i we haven't talked about it yet like together i love this episode i thought this was this reminded me so much of loki but it was also very different because we're playing in a different time period way in the past and we finally get the reveal of uh victor timely so Give me your overall thoughts uh, on the episode to start, and then we can dive into some of the details of it. Yeah, no, this was a great episode. <laughs> um, uh, all around, honestly, just from the start, um, when you saw uh, Renslayer, am I saying Renslayer? Yes, Ravonna Renslayer, yeah. When you saw her drop the, the little dialogue with Miss Minutes and then her drop the book, and then you see it's the young Victor Timely. Like, even like. Like that alone had me like I was like at the edge of my seat like oh like Marvel's back baby <laughs> yes and so but no overall it was just such a good episode like you said it felt it was very much more condensed um, and and with that they could do a lot more I loved seeing the introduction to Renslayer and Miss Minutes coming back um, and then still continuing. <laughs> the Loki Mobius from the last episode. Mm-hmm. I still don't really fully understand how or where they came from, how they came into it, but it still worked. Um, Victor Timely, man. Victor Timely is just so the crazy. Jonathan Majors is such a talent, <laughs> and it's hard because he still emits this whole potential crisis on his career with with court dates, and we don't know what's going to happen with him in general. But what I can speak to is that I think his job as Kang the Conqueror and all the different versions that he's portrayed so far, whether it's he who remains in the first season, Victor Timely in this season, uh, fully fledged Kang the Conqueror in Quantumania, which I still don't even really think he was. That was like Kang at like 40% maybe. He's so good in the role. He's so good in the role. And Victor Timely, it was a different uh, reveal. And to me, because they showed the exact scene, which is in the Quantumania post is it Quantumania post credit? I think it is. It's one of the post credits for one of the recent Marvel movies. I believe it's Quantumania. And it might not be, it might be a different film, but it's the exact scene where they show Victor Timely the close up on him. And then it cuts to Loki and he turns to Mobius and he goes, That's him. And he looks terrified. That was a moment that played so much better in the context of what the episode was because Major's job as Timely, he's just this sort of, he's definitely not a fool. But he's like, he's bumbling around. He's also very smart with the way that he's stuttering over words. Like he talks, what is that one thing where uh, it's a great line delivery where he talks about something in terms of how he knows better. Like he, it's basically him saying like, there's, it's up to interpretation that I might know better. And then they all go like, <gasps> and then he's like, then you, 
Like, I just know a little bit more than you guys do. That doesn't mean I know everything. And uh, Screen uh, Screen Crush actually talked a little bit about how there's really great, like, racial overtones in that. Mm-hmm. Where, uh, in to, it, if you guys haven't watched the episode yet, stop fucking watching. Because this is spoiler <laughs> heavy. We tell you that every week, but jump on board. 1893, we're in Chicago. We're at the World Fair. Mm-hmm. At this time, there weren't people that looked like him that were doing things like this. Yeah, I kind of thought about that. And yeah. and th- the way that they craft the dialogue in this episode, and similar to how you were talking about the transitional part, even early on in the episode where Renslayer drops the book, we get transported into uh, Victor Timely's origin, essentially. There's so much more care in this episode. There's so much more effort in this episode, and you can tell it from the jump. Mm-hmm. And that whole sequence with Victor Timely, the introduction to his character being on stage, addressing all these people, creating his own temporal loom, mirroring where we're at so far in this season. It was like the perfect midpoint. I was like, all right, like this show got me back on board. Like episode one, I felt it was comfortable. It was comfortable in the Loki setting. Mm-hmm. I really loved seeing Kihoi Kwan, but you can't carry a whole show on the back of one guy. Yeah. Again, episode two, we obviously didn't like this episode just like got me right back in similar to you. 100%. It's 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 honestly really crazy to me how Jonathan Majors can can keep the same character in certain mannerisms, sort of, but still change it enough to be a, a new character in itself. I don't know, like, like how you brought up the stuttering and his character. Like every King interpretation at this point that we've seen has had that stutter, mm-hmm. but just in like a way to themselves. And so it's just like it, it is really crazy to see. Um, just these characters be brought be brought to life by him in this way but victor timely especially was just for the time that we were seeing a lot of things and how a lot of things were playing out i just thought that it was not only was certain things that he was doing how things were written everything was just really just genius honestly i thought for this episode i thought the storytelling was just really good um and there were a lot of moments i feel like where we got to see loki in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a stronger sort of light than than we had before and and I've, I've kind of seen thought this for the past couple of episodes with this season but loki's a strong motherfucker <laughs> he is well people yeah. people forget and and there's a great moment again with loki and mobius in this episode where we see the giant statues of of odin and thor yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's bolt of the brave instead of it being loki and yeah, he's yeah. like what is going on here like where am i at mm-hmm. and then mobius has that moment where he turns to him and he goes you know, I, I like often forget that like you're related to these guys <laughs> and you forget that Loki is a god. Yeah. And that's what made the threat actually a legitimate one in the first Avengers film. And that's the part that we start to forget as viewers because we're falling in love with this version of the character that is seeking out justice and is trying to save the world, even though he's someone that has tried to take down Earth as he's tried to do or Earth realm, whatever uh, he basically called it in the Avengers. But the way that he interacts with Timely too, there, like I said, there's that terrifying moment for him, and they craft it in such a way where t- there's nothing about Timely's character you didn't already know that he was Kang that would make you nervous. Mm-hmm. There's nothing about his version of this character that he's very timid, he's very stoic, he's incredibly intelligent, he's not violent. He has that moment where he obviously lets Ravona go, which we'll get to. But so much of that is baked in a plan that Miss Minutes has, who also plays a major role in this episode. But so basically, he's shown off uh, the temporal loom. 
He is able to escape. Uh, he's on the run because uh, he basically sells this machine that's faulty to uh, a financier. He's chasing him around and he uh, he escapes them and then he gets scooped up uh, by Ravona and Miss Minutes. They're able to get him out of there and they go to where he's living. There's a really nice moment where you start to see the relationship, the romantic relationship develop between Victor or Kang and Ravona because in the comics they have a romantic entanglement. I don't know if you knew that or not. So... They have that, and then you start to see Miss Minutes, like, in her brain. She's like, oh, like, what about me? <laughs> She's like, I might just be AI, but that doesn't mean I don't have feelings. And it's like, oh, boy, here we go. Mm-hmm. Because there's you're, you're sort of laying the groundwork uh, in, pa- in the past season of her talking about this person, how powerful he is, who they answer to. And then she's obviously the one that's there with he who remains in the end of the finale when Sylvie and Loki get there. Mm-hmm. So um, they start to plan their revenge out and we start to see this thing where they go on the boat. Ravona and Miss Minutes are talking with Victor and uh, Miss Minutes convinces him to basically like kick her off the boat. He's like, she's trying to play you like she doesn't care about you, really. She just is trying to get you for your information, whatever. I forget the exact dialogue. But then he goes back to his lab, which is filled with a bunch of really cool Easter eggs. But Miss Minutes has a very obvious romantic attraction as an AI clock to Victor Timely, which I want to know your I want to know. Oh, I mean, I just covered a lot of stuff. What you thought about the sequence leading up to it and also her role as somebody that to me, it was creepy, but it worked in like the perfect way. So I, I'm just curious on your thoughts on on a lot of it. You know, I definitely think that the sequence of it all worked out really well. Um, I loved the buildup of Miss Minutes, um, especially on that boat scene. Um, they did a really good job of hiding things in certain shots that are that were huge in terms of building up to that. Like when you had that sort of intimate moment between Renslayer and Victor. Um, where they talked for the first time and she ended it where it was like, like, you know, I'm like, this is going to be a really good partnership. And immediately you saw his face kind of like, oh, oh that's what it was. Yes, yeah. yes. And then, but if you saw Miss Minutes' face at like the bottom and like it was blurred a little bit because she was in the background, but you can see her kind of like smirk a little bit and you're like, oh, snap. Like she realizes and then immediately she brings that up, that oh, partnership. And so the buildup was so sneaky and so little that it worked great. But you could still see that it was more than just her wanting that partnership. You could see that she was je- – you could see it was jealousy. You could see a lot of it was jealousy. You, j- I just didn't know for sure if they were going to go to the level that they did when it was Miss Minutes and Victor having that intimate <laughs> interaction. And I thought, again, it was, it was genius because it was – she was crazy, but at the same time – she was kind of justified <laughs> like when you heard what she was saying and like like at the end of time like the time that they spent and like they were almost like that they were almost it was like they were together to a certain yeah. degree and like and he also he built her to have emotion and so like it's almost like why else would you do this you know and so that's where it made sense so i feel like for as crazy as it was and as crazy as it played out 
I felt like it was all justified and it, and it landed perfectly. Yeah, and and he talk, he talks about it, right? He goes, "Oh yeah, it was a perfect friendship." Yeah. And then she's like, "I wouldn't call it that, honey," or whatever she says. It's like, it's amazing. But he, yeah, right. He gives her that autonomy. He gives her the uh, allowance to make her own decisions, and she does have a care for like managing timelines but the grand scheme of it all is that she doesn't really give a shit about the tva she just helps things run because the overall thing is she wants this person he who remains kang victor timely to be in love with her who is built as an artificial intelligence and you have that moment where she basically puts herself onto the uh the mannequin which is so creepy but it's so great and tara strong is so good in the role that I'm I'm I missed Miss Minutes like in a way like there was there was something missing throughout these first couple of episodes and even uh, Ravona like being able to see her because Gugu and Bat the Raw I think is such a great like underrated talent I think she's such a she has such a presence on screen no matter when she's on there mm-hmm. um, and we're gonna see sort of these key players start to show up again like we were missing out on some of these people and. I feel like there's still so much to go with this season in terms of story. I've heard through rumblings from press that have gotten, I know a lot of press got episodes one through four, that three was great and that four should be great. Mm -hmm. So I think there's a lot to explore. I think there's a lot more that um, we're still going to see happen. We do see, again, you talked about the power Loki Mm -hmm. uh, at the end of the episode starts to basically um mess around with his powers and sylvie again is there to try to stop things mm-hmm. from going in a direction that she doesn't want what did you think about the presence of sylvie in this episode and do you think that so far her role in this season is satisfying enough for you um I, i'm gonna answer the second part of that question first actually okay. um no i don't i think that her role in this season has been satisfying um i think like we said before like loki and sylvie had such a powerful moment where they left off with season one and then you know they kind of just went their separate ways and like we're still waiting for that big moment and we've gotten it but it's still not what we're waiting for and since then i guess because it hasn't been what we're looking for every now every time that i see her at least on screen still isn't as satisfying it's like you're waiting for the shoe to drop still right yeah exactly and and we know that at this point we know not fully what her, full, her intention is it, completely, but we do know that she's trying to kill Kang again because that will then obviously stop a certain point of she'll be able to live freely. Let's just say like that's the best thing I can say right now with that situation. Um, but it still necessarily didn't it didn't feel right. Like it just felt like it was like another force that they needed to stop Loki and Mobius from getting to him. Which at the end of the, the episode, that's that's what happened. Like that's that's what we got. And this whole episode was a lot of not not that it was bad in any way, but this whole episode was a lot of um, just people kind of getting their hands on Victor just to get to a place that we kind of knew was gonna come. Like I yeah. feel, like I kind of knew Loki and just to kind of keep the story and and things going. But like I don't know. I just feel like they could have done more with sylvie's character i don't know if it could have been in this episode because honestly no matter what i was so focused on victor (laughs) that was like the that was and to bring back 
Renslayer and Miss Minutes in the same episode. It's just Sylvie just for sure was not even really a focus. Yeah. At this point. And I mean, like, like, she, again, she showcased some cool, cool she, she shows up out of nowhere again. Yeah. And it's a situation where I do agree with you. I think Victor was the uh, Victor and Miss Minutes, probably the two MVPs of this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but with the Sylvie part, when Sylvie and Loki first interact in the first season, they have like animosity towards each other but then they start to build the relationship and you start to see it play out through dialogue you start to see it play out through writing and with this season so far they don't have those moments where there's enough time in between there's enough meaningful dialogue where you feel for her character anymore and what i'm worried about is this season going in a direction where at the end of it Victor or another version of Kang, whoever we end up with at the end of the season, goes up with Ravona. Miss Minutes, I have a feeling, is going to kick the can. I think Miss Minutes is going to die or whatever is going to happen to her as a program is going to sort of cease. Mm -hmm. And Loki and Sylvia are going to come back together, which is going to make her whole first season arc. Like, how would they come together again? And in a way where they're both understanding that they have to sort of take this guy out, like... She was so adamant that it didn't. She didn't give a shit. She wanted to kill this guy because, to her, in her mind, her decision was justified. Loki obviously doesn't think so, and his whole goal is to get to her, to speak with her, and seek her out for help. But that, to me, I, I want more from that. I want more from the relationship. I don't know if she's gonna die at the end of the season. Do you think that? Like, do you have any predictions for what they do with her character? Because right now, I don't even know if there's enough to really base that off. And we see that moment in the first episode, which might be a flashback, might be a flash forward. Mm-hmm. But with I, I just feel like with her, it's sort of underwhelming so far. Yeah, um, I definitely don't think there's enough. There's enough sort of source to be able to make that decision as to what could happen with her character at all, to be honest. But um, I do think that they're playing into this theme and maybe this could be. The, the theme for this could be the prediction for Sylvie and Loki. Um, I am noticing that no matter how hard they try to showcase Loki as a hero or, or something, this not, not to a full extent, as what I'm about to say, but I am noticing that the more that they showcase Loki as a hero, no matter what, things will still end up unlucky because um, that's just Loki. He's the god of mischief. It's everything unlucky. And so I feel like maybe they won't ever end up together just playing into the fact that they are just so unlucky that that even love is is an unlucky thing for them even though they are the same set person yeah (laughs) and that they you know it's so i mean like i can see something like that playing into it i also could see that playing into it because we are still dealing with a kang variant and knowing Mm -hmm. that kang is gonna play a big role in this whole phase and so you know, obviously, like the unluckiness will probably play into that area of Victor. Um, but as far as Sylvie's character, I have no idea what they could do with her, or what they will do with her. Um, at this point, I don't even really care. So, how did you then feel about um, the way that they chose to end the episode, um, where you know Mobius and Loki they they were able to get um, Victor back, um, and they were to kick no Sylvie. It was Sylvie who kicked. Um, uh, Ravona. Ravona back because um, we had that moment where Sylvie kind of turned mm-hmm. um, and she had that kind of heroic moment where she like let she decided not to kill yeah, yeah. essentially and they kicked 
um, Verona and Miss Minutes back to the end of time where you saw. Um, yes, the, uh, the, the zombified ver- version of He Remains, which was such yes. a cool visual. Yes. Um, How do you feel about that? About uh, them taking him back or just all of it? Just all of those. Okay, so in terms of them taking him back to the TVA, you knew it had to happen. They mm-hmm. have that moment of dialogue. I think it's in this episode, or it might be in last episode, where they're kind of discussing between the two of them, Loki and Mobius, and Loki's like, I don't think it's a good idea for you to fucking bring that guy here. Mm-hmm. He goes, I think that that's a major problem. Mobius is like, well, if we don't have him here, then we're going to have the temporal aura, and that's what we need in order to get to where we need to get to, to mm-hmm. basically save the day, essentially. So, again... You can call it lazy writing. It is what it is. He's going to be there. I'm interested to see that dynamic. I'm interested to see what's going to happen with him being there. And again, with shit hitting the fan, like I just think that he's going to, he's too smart. This character's too smart. And Loki might not fall for it, but Mobius could. There's other people there. And then the overall, like I said, the visual of being at the end of time, I think is really cool. Uh, they didn't get out of there, right? They still, so I'm very curious to see how they get out of there. Who's going to work alongside her and Miss Minutes to get them out of there? Because someone's going to have to do something. So I do think that we're going to have this started to fill the gaps. Episode three of what we really appreciated and liked from the first season that made it so enjoyable. Right. Mm. I think episode four is going to be one that's like really valuable. Like we're going to look back and we're going to be like, this might be this might be the one that kind of defies the odds of this season not being as good as the first. I think something really major could happen. I have nothing to speculate in terms of what we can see because I think it's really hard to make predictions in a show like this where there's so much up in the air. Um, but I am curious to see, and this was definitely my favorite episode of the season so far. I agree. I agree. I also heard um, and read somewhere online that there is a rumor that in the next few episodes, there is a chance that we might see one or two other variants of Kang. Okay. Played by Jonathan Majors. How do you, how do you feel? How I do you think, think that that would make sense. Mm-hmm. I think that we could start to see all the pieces come together and, and have these different versions of Kang sort of messing with members of the TVA, some of them going along with Ravona. Mm-hmm. Maybe that Kang is the way that they're able to get them out of the end of time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think it's, it's interesting. I, I, like I said, I like that this is a self-contained story somewhat in this season. Mm-hmm. We're not bouncing around as much. But then at the same time, there's a part of me that it's lost that sci-fi flair that it's so used to having from the first season. And I'm hoping that whether another version of Jonathan Majors is, is Kang's show up because we have the Council of Kangs, which we also saw in a post-credit scene. We know there's so many different versions of this character that are going to come I think it's important to continue to introduce these versions of the characters, mm-hmm. but I want them to make it. I, I, I'm worried about what's happening with Loki because the show is called Loki. There's not a lot happening with his character. He's just chasing something. And yeah. there was so much character development in the first season with him that I'm worried that like, even if this episode four is a big episode, I hope it's a big episode in terms of development. I want the story to sort of trudge along. I want the characters to understand and find out things that they weren't apparent of going into it. I don't need a giant action set piece, which we've talked about so many times on here. Like Moon Knight fucked it up. Uh, Secret Evasion fucked it up. There's too many times. And those are finales. But you you got to stop trying to make it 
where it's this giant action set piece because you have some of that in the final episodes of the first season of Loki. To, well, I guess the second to last episode is where they have all the variants, mm. right, with Richard E. Grant. But there's so much other good, weird shit in that episode that makes it so good. So, and again, this is, they, they filmed all this before all the Marvel TV problems sort of like the article started to come out. We, we posted one on our website about it about all the things that are happening with the production of Daredevil getting shut down, and now they're going to start actively seeking out showrunners for TV, which, good on you, Marvel. You're finally fucking learning. Mm -hmm. I need this episode to be amazing because I thought this episode was really good. I didn't think it was great, but I thought it was really good. This next episode needs to kind of, like, blow my socks off for me to, like, be like, all right, I I think that that I'm excited to see how this story is going to wrap. I'm excited to see what is going to happen with Loki's character. I'm excited to uh, see if something is going to come of Mobius. I'm interested to see this potential relationship between Ravona and Loki or uh, Ravona and Kang rather. So they got a lot to do. They got three episodes. They got a lot to do, but overall I think we both enjoyed this episode now. Yeah, no, definitely enjoyed it. Definitely was a better thing, a better release. Should I say of Marvel after years of, yeah so. <laughs> it hasn't been good recently yeah no no but yeah definitely a good episode thankfully nice. yes all right guys well i think that's gonna do it for our review of episodes two and three the spoiler review for loki mm-hmm. you guys can stream it on disney plus make sure if you guys don't already you guys are liking the video you guys subscribe to the channel leave comments share with your friends your family we're building this out we're trying to give you guys more content if there's anything else you guys want to see in terms of what we cover please let us know let us know your thoughts on loki episodes two and three just signing off i am darian scalamoni and i'm mikey peniston and we'll see you guys next time